Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. And welcome to the final race review of the 2023 season. Everybody crying already. Uh, don't know what to do with themselves. It's only been two days of the... Uh, before we go into the actual meat of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, I just want to say that we are, everything F1, we are on the all the socials you can think of, including Twitter slash X slash, I don't know, it's doing a Prince and version, I don't know what it's called these days. Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, and we are on the website at everythingf1.com. We have a wonderful sponsor who has sponsored us throughout this, this season, the uh, theraceworks.com. They have a sale on at the moment. They had a, You might have seen a video that was through Facebook with their uh, Black Friday stuff. Uh, they still have some sales going on. Anyway, moving on, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I want one word review from the panel. So, Kiara, welcome. How are you? Welcome back. How was the flight back? Your jet-setting lifestyle back home? Tiring, because this morning I already had my first uni lecture back. Oh, delightful. So I had to just get right into business. And it was a horrible lecture, so I stood up midway and just left. Oh, to be young Kids, again. don't leave school, please no. But yeah, I just wasn't having it with this professor. No, it just can't click. doesn't work. So, Kiara, before I go over to Elephant Ear, hashtag Hamish, uh, one word review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. One word review. Underwhelming? We'll take that. So, Elephant here. Hello and welcome. Hello. Your real name, day-to-day name is Hamish. How are you? How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, tired. Apart from that, I'm all I'm all good. Yeah. Hamish, one word review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Bland. Is that a fair one? I feel like maybe it feels a bit critical, but I think it's I think it's fair overall. Yeah, that beige, isn't it? Never yeah. really great, is it? Right, okay, so got some notes this time because we're prepared. So we'll just go around through the notes. So before we get into kind of the talking points, which were really hard to find, uh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll go down the list. So Mercedes, whatever reason I put Mercedes top, they probably shouldn't be. Hamilton had a strange one. Hamish, we'll go to you first. Way, way, way. Hamilton didn't seem to click for him at all throughout the whole weekend. Bit clumsy with his contact with Gasly. What's your thoughts? Part of me just thinks he just went... My, my third position is secure. I can't get seconds. I'm asked to start my holiday now. And I do think, personally, he had no threat. And I think if he, if he, if he was pressured from behind or had, had any chance of second, he would have had, probably had a better weekend. But I think he probably just switched off a bit. He just looked also uncomfortable with the setup all weekend. George has a really a really good weekend all round. I should probably fair by him by his full name, George Russell, in case, because we're not mates. But yeah, yeah, but he had a much stronger weekend, which kind of has been the narrative of 2023. He said himself, didn't he? It's been one to forget and one of his worst seasons of Formula One. So yeah, just to, just a kind of all round forgettable race for Hamilton. But I think he said himself in an Instagram post, I think it's been a pretty forgettable season for him. For him. And he's just looking forward to 2023. Uh, four now I think so yeah yeah I think they need to bin that I think it's the W14 if memory serves me I think that yeah, counts it's, it's yeah. might be 15 now isn't it I can't remember I can't remember it's W something uh, 14's on my head 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fifteen next year. But uh, Well yeah. you, you can see how unforgettable a carrot is if you can't even remember the name and we've been watching it all year. Hey. Uh, yeah, I don't care what W it is, just make it quick. That's all what right. I was uh, to be saying the same. I stumbled across a clip of a uh, Netflix actually drive to survive when the first of the newer cars from Mercedes came out and George Russell going first time I saw the car, I went, damn, it's quick. And you're like, <laughs> anyway. So, Kiara, before we talk about Mercedes as a whole, you've got the delightful George Russell. What do you think? How did George Russell do this weekend uh, for you? As much as it pains me to say this, he actually did pretty well this weekend. He held his own. I was genuinely surprised. It was kind of funny during the free practices because he was leading the rookies. But that's what you'd expect for someone who's a bit more seasoned. So, yeah, and it was a lot of rookies. I think it was 10 in total. I don't want to say anything yeah. wrong. Yeah, there was quite a but few. It was 10. So I, if there, you... were, there were yeah. a few. And I have to say, I was impressed by some of the rookies as well. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think... It was an overall good weekend for George Russell. He had his pace. He was in the correct mindset. And there was, a, well, from my end, at least, I did not hear that much whining from his end. I don't know what you guys had while watching the broadcast. I think he had one. He, he swore at the team once, didn't he? There was something about strategy. Yeah, was, with Lewis, I think, when he was asking. About, yeah. 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 I think it's too fair, but if we're going to mention FP1, I'll quick how Dragovic was really impressive. I thought in FP1, he was like, although Russell was number one, you'd expect he was only about three tenths off, which in an Aston, which was slower this weekend, we don't know what setups that they were running. One might be doing qualifying, might be doing a race, but fast of all the rookies and showed quite a lot of pace. I thought arguing to get Stroll out and put Dragovic in, but Stroll's had quite a strong end to the season, and what someone's saying. Anyway, we can talk about that later, but yeah, yeah, well, it was good for. I mean, it's a strange race when George Russell gets third and all I've wrote in the notes is great podium because I, he'd never really done anything else. He got there, done what he needed to do, got a podium, packed his bags, went on his holidays. Fair enough, that works. Uh, so we'll talk about Mercedes and the constructors. They were one of the teams that were, excuse me, that were actually fighting for something this weekend and they uh, finished second. Now, my question to both of you is, is that more of a question to Ferrari than a question to Mercedes? Because that Mercedes car is awful. Ferrari should have been second. Uh, Hamish, you were about to speak. I'll just jump to you first. Yeah, I think I, I think it was all over the place for both of them. I think it was a really weak point uh, race for both teams. I mean, Ferrari, I felt, threw it away with signs. I don't know how. I think he finished 15th, didn't he? Which is only one no, place. No, 18. Was it 18th? No, he and he didn't. actually he didn't finish technically. He didn't finish. He didn't finish so no. I mean I don't know what they were doing because they pit. I know he, I I presume he needed a pit once more to finish the race. I presume he, had, he hadn't made the tie switch he needed to. And I I just look at that and go why are you waiting to the end of the race to do that? That was never going to work. And he was in the points. So if they had put the right tire on, he could have probably finished ninth. And I know it might not have been enough, but it might have been something more than, than they had. And Leclerc had a really strong race I reckon he could have won it they did a really weird strategy where they just basically followed Red Bull's strategy but did it worse by pitting a few laps earlier giving Verstappen about I think it was about two seconds on him by pitting later and then never remade that time up and just let him escape and then they tried to do the weird oh let's let Perez pass to hold Russell back but they didn't actually hold Russell back so it, it would have worked if he'd actually done it like Perez had done in 2021 because he could have done it in that final sector I reckon but he didn't yeah. actually follow through and total Wolf was like oh it's great sportsmanship 
But in the day, it, that's great sportsmanship. It's probably cost well, at least for I 10 million. And you could argue the R&D ties better, but I, I wonder if Marinello respect the sportsmanship. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think, personally, I think Ferrari will be... Ferrari should have got second. Uh, this weekend was weird. They lost the second place by three points. It was 490, 406. So it wasn't that close. It was that close, sorry, I should say. Uh, Kiara, what are your thoughts on Mercedes picking Ferrari to second place? I want to scream. <laughs> mm. You're a Ferrari fan, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So I honestly thought we had this in the bag, but after that practice where Carlos thought he'd like to say hi to the wall, I figured out that it's probably not going to happen. And I thought Carlos could at least get into the points, but that did not happen either. I think compared to Charles, Carlos was struggling a lot. I'm not sure what happened. I think he was still reeling from what happened in Vegas, to be honest. I think it wasn't, I think it wasn't the Carlos. I I think it wasn't the car itself, but it was more of his mindset. And I think you could tell. Like he kept on trying to be positive. Like I was there. I was listening to all of the interviews that were happening on site. But it was more of a mindset kind of thing going on. But that was, I thought Ferrari honestly had this in the bag. That was really sad. Do you think it's the season's too long? I wonder if you saw fatigue in drivers. Just because, don't forget, that's why you went from Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi. I wonder if some drivers dealt with the, the jet lag and just the length of the season better than others. Because... So, I mean, we know science is quick, but I, I wonder if it's just affected by 23 races and a 12-hour time difference. I think it's a mix of both, to be honest. I think that the season did feel a bit long, but I think it was the fact that Vegas had such a huge time difference and the time of the races, and suddenly you're going to a different place and add that time difference into that while everyone's still trying to catch up from Vegas. And I mean, I wasn't racing, I wasn't working, I was just there for the fun, but I was equally as drained. Mm, absolutely. So if that was already a struggle for me and I'm not even working, then how much more for them? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like a 12-hour time swing. Mm-hmm. between uh, Las Vegas and Abu Dhabi, which is the biggest of the season. Pretty strange having it right at the very end when it's been a long year already. Uh, hopefully, it's probably the biggest criticism I've heard coming out of Las Vegas, actually, was the, the schedule. Maybe they'll tweak yeah. that and maybe bring it back a wee bit, uh, alter it by even an hour. Having it as late as they did, uh, the other delays made even worse. But uh, hopefully that'll... Uh, so something. We'll talk a wee bit more. We've got a reviews uh, podcast coming up, so we can talk more about the schedules and the length of the season and the off season. Next up, so we'll uh, we'll move down to the, the list to where are we going? We're going to Red Bull. Here we go. So I had I have a couple of things written for notes for Max Verstappen. All I put was domination, really, for Max Verstappen, the most dominated driver in the whole year. Nineteen out of twenty-two races won. Red Bull beat Mercedes by over double the point. They had 480, I think, in the end up. So, yeah. Kiara, uh, I'll go to you first. What else can we say about Max Verstappen that we haven't already really said? I feel like if we keep on going on about Max Verstappen, we'll just repeat ourselves. And if you listen to every podcast, everyone says the same thing by now. Max Verstappen has just been undefeated. He's been easing through the season. I'm saying the word easing because there have been some moments where you did see him struggle, but Max just knows how to get the best out of the Red Bull car, even if it's not going his way. 
So there's not there's not much to say. I think someone just needs to challenge him. And I think you could tell, especially after Las Vegas, that Max did enjoy that challenge with Charles, that he was having much more fun trying to battle it out with someone instead of just leading the whole 55 laps, was it, in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, I think, if memory serves me right, I think he led 1,003 laps. Yeah, full season, that was it. Well, yeah. So... I don't think we really need to talk much about Verstappen. Well, I, like I say, we might talk about him at the, the, the season review podcast. Uh, I'm going to talk about Perez a wee bit more because he's been a bit of an enigma this year. Hamish, got fourth in this race and a good recovery drive, but when is the last, like, how often have we said good recovery drive when it comes to Sergio Perez? When Max Verstappen is dominating in that car as good as he's dominating and Perez struggled mostly to even get second in the in the championship, what does it say about Perez? And what did you think? Well, firstly, we'll talk about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. What did you think of his race, firstly? I thought Perez did a good race, to be honest with you. I felt like he was unlucky with a five-second penalty. I mean, you could debate about that as a racing incident or a penalty. I felt it was a racing incident. The only thing that could sway me is there was a lot of space between Perez and the curb. He didn't really hit the apex. He went wide on purpose. At the same time, Lando didn't need to turn in. It was quite an aggressive turn in, I felt. And so I felt like if it was me, race and instant, move on, no damage, no harm done. So I felt Perez was unlucky with that. But I, what I felt was good is it's, you've seen Perez have moments and stuff like this and he flax. You just see him in the race and he just doesn't recover from the bad news, whatever happens. And I felt in this race, he had the five seconds and thought, kind of this last race, let's just push on and see what happens. And I felt like he drove really well. Part of me wonders about the five seconds. Will he make, I don't think he would have got a class. Stupid sentence. I'm not going to say that because he wouldn't have. But yeah, good race. Good all-rounder. Good one to end on. A bit of confidence going into the Red Bull camp, thinking he might be returning back to form. He said, and I think it was in Abu Dhabi, that he felt like uh, since Qatar, that he's really performed well. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. We have Mexico to Qatar, for example. But he's definitely had two really solid races to end the year. And I think if he does that, go into next year, Horn is right. He's just doing what he needs to do. At the end of the day, when your teammates Max Verstappen, you just kind of need to fill a seat and just do some right results because Max had both the constructors and the Drivers' World Championship wrapped up all by himself. So at that point, you don't really need a teammate. Well, you don't, know. But the thing about Sergio is when Max is first, he needs to be second or third, not ninth, tenth, yeah. thirteenth, running it in the wall. Chiara, what, do you, what did you make of Sergio Perez's Abu Dhabi and... The general kind of feeling of his campaign. I think he's improved. We all saw him go downhill after the first few races, and we thought, oh dear, what's happening with him? Is he going to keep his seat? Is Helmut Marco going crazy? I'm pretty sure Helmut Marco did go crazy on him for a fair amount. But the last two races, you saw him get his old form back, like you said. And yeah, with the penalty, it was unlucky. I was with McLaren, so when Checo hit him or when they had that collision, let's put it that way, it was not a good mood for all of us in there. But yeah, I'm curious to see if he will pull himself together for next season because I think that's where all matters now. I think he needs to take some time and think about himself, think about his mentality and go in. But you are right in saying that if you're Max Verstappen's teammate, you have to try and match him as best as you could. The worst you should be is at least, I would say, I would give the leeway and say fifth, but you can't be further down like ninth, tenth, or sometimes not even in the points. You have to work on your qualifying. 
and your results overall? Yeah. So I think it was okay, but room to improve, basically. B plus. Uh, yes. Uh, personally, I think B you should have got a B plus. Yeah, I think that's fair. For, I'll be for doing grades. B plus. So that's... Okay. What uh, would you give him? Oh, no, I'm brutal on him. I'm giving him like a C or a D. Really? Abu Dhabi was a good race, but he shouldn't have been having a rec- another recovery drive this late in the season again because he got, uh, uh, know- like, got ninth and qualifying when Verstappen got first. Like, come on. Really? This has been the story of his season. I remember, I was going to say, I remember writing notes for one of the other podcasts and I had to use the Australian one. And this was months after it. And it was the same thing I wrote for both of them. Good recovery drive, but shouldn't have been down there in the first place. And he's done it all year. And that car, he shouldn't be doing that. Just, I don't care who he is. I don't care about luck. He just shouldn't be in the mid-pack and getting put out in Q2 and doing what he's doing. Yes, it's Max Verstappen, but... Sergio Perez is a was a good driver, so I don't know what's happened. I don't know if he's got himself got into his head a bit too much and just felt the pressure a wee bit too much. Uh, yeah. But I, I I'm a wee bit more harsh on it. But we can we'll, we'll we'll dive into it. On the collision, it was a five second penalty for me because he'd missed the apex, and if you watch the onboard, they kind of juke to the right a wee bit to come in. It was as if he was trying to force Norris off. Because Norris stayed to the outside and eventually has to take the corner. And that car's in the middle of the track. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with a five second. I am a McLaren fan, just for transparency. And when I did see it, I'm like, what are you playing at? Uh, but trying to play devil's advocate, I still have to say that it was a five second penalty because he really should have got to the... There's no re- there was no reason why he couldn't have made the apex to that corner. Yeah. So... And he kind of opened his steering. Not quite yeah. Rosberg gets, uh, a, I want to say, Austria on Hamilton when yeah. he just went straight on. <laughs> you were just going, oh, my oh God, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, you're like, okay, Rosberg, no bother. Uh, not quite as bad as that, but uh, slightly cheeky. Uh, it really didn't make too much of a difference. Yeah, uh, it gave it, it's well, given us a couple of minutes to talk about something, I suppose. Yes, uh, exactly. Speaking of which, McLaren. So they all papaya boys. So, Driver of the year for me, Mr. Oscar Piastri gets himself in a nice sixth place. Great qualifying for him. As a rookie, probably the biggest thing he needs to work on is, is managing his race pace. I think it was mentioned in the commentary that I watched. It does well in qualifying. He's really good. Very rarely makes mistakes, but just still learning how to manage over the course of a race. I know I've said my bit there. So, Kiara, I'll go to you again. Piastri, you, you were there at Abu Dhabi as part of the McLaren guys. What's your feeling on Piastri's Abu Dhabi race? Like you said, he had a pretty good qualifying and placing third for your last race of the season is pretty good. But I knew it in a way, I kind of felt it that it just wasn't going to happen, that he wasn't going to stay up there. I actually thought I'd be a bit delusional and on my F1 play app, I put Max as first, Lando second and... Oscar Piastri is third, just in the hopes of manifesting that. But he really needs to work on his race pace. I mean, he's shown immense improvement because I thought he would be a disaster for this season. That was like one of my first thoughts when they announced Oscar Piastri as a McLaren driver. But he proved me wrong. And I think with the maturity that comes after your first rookie season, now he knows what he needs to improve on. And I think we'll see much more improvement next season. And I think he will be one of those drivers who will surprise us and give Lando a run for his money. 
Oh, without doubt. I think he was just enjoying the fact it's his rookie year. Uh, much more to add to that? I think, again, a lot of drivers have this. It's not Piastri's fault, but I felt like for him, it was one of these drivers. It's another driver on the on track that didn't, didn't especially do well and didn't especially do anything um, particularly impressive. But he, yeah, he's had a great season, hasn't he? I mean, he's the best rookie McLaren's had since Lewis Hamilton, I would say. Um, I don't know if that's a, a fact, but it feels like it anyway. So, yeah, strong season. I felt Lando had a very strong race as well. I mean, he, he kind of disappeared. I don't know if that was a McLaren race pace issue or if that was just uh, something else. But he had his moment with Perez, and I felt like there was a moment when I thought he might be able to fight for a podium, but he just got dropped at one point. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was when the clerk had passed or something. He just got absolutely dropped behind them and never really appeared again, just silently was there. So, yeah, yeah, I, would, I tell you what, I mean, preview to next week, Oscar Piastri, is that a good season? Not my drive of the year, though, I have to say. I think he's been good, but he's got he's got a lot a lot of room to improve, which is a good thing. I think he can do it, if that makes sense. Do you think the pit stops cost them? Because I was watching the pit stops from the garage, that's where I was watching from, and that stressed me to see that they didn't go as well as it has over the past few races. I think it. I think it caused them an issue at the time because I think they were very particularly close between George Russell and Norris. Uh, I would need to look at the lap, the lap times, but uh, it certainly didn't help at the stint. I think it was a 5.1 when they're usually sitting just above two seconds and then George jumped them. George ended up the podium, so maybe, but as Hamish says, the pace, mm. they did seem to have the pace as the race kind of got to the, the end and... Sort of put us out of misery a wee bit, to be fair. Uh, what was I going to say there? Yeah, Oscar has, I mean, he is the driver, the, the, the rookie of the year, because one of them shouldn't be in the racing seat and the other one get ditched halfway through the year. So uh, we'll get to Sergeant, poor old Nick DeFries. What a shame. Uh, Norris, fifth place, again, seemed to have a bit of pace at the start of the race, but didn't really go, go very, very, go very, it didn't really develop into anything, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Kiara, I'll jump to Hamish in a second. Kiara, what was your uh, feeling, really, of uh, Norris's race? Was it pretty much what you saw? Uh, I expected much better. Uh, there was a point in time where he was P3, and I was like, okay, he's going to get this. He's going to stay on that podium, maybe move up even more. But after all of that happened, after the pit stop and after the collision, I knew it was pretty much over. So yeah. we were just there hoping we could still get the best results that we could and make the best out of it. Uh, unfortunately, because of the way things shook out, Norris ended up finishing sixth in the Drivers' Championship. Not that it means much to to, to, to Norris. I mean, they don't get any money for it. Or anything. It's not a constructive thing. But at one point, he was sitting in fourth, which is, I think, the last time anybody, uh, McLaren driver was fourth was when Lewis Hamilton was doing his thing. At McLaren all those years ago. So a bit of a shame for him. I mean, I think he kind of deserved better. But Fernando Alonso, fourth and 206. Charles Leclerc, 206. Lando Norris, 205. And Carlos Sainz in seventh and 200. So it was close. It wasn't like he was cut adrift. Uh, Hamish, uh, I think we'll go to you quickly on uh, Norris just before we move on. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, Norris has had a phenomenal season, any way you put it. I think he's he's driven very maturely. I think I think he did the best he could in that package. I think the McLaren's issue this year, along with Mercedes and a few other teams, to be fair, is the car's kind of all over the shop. Some races it's magnificent, some races it just doesn't want to work, as they think. I think Abu Dhabi was probably one of those where the car just wasn't quite where they wanted it. In qualifying, it looked really promising. 
if Lando hadn't had that slip, I honestly think he would have been on the front row because it looked it looked quick. But he, yeah, it's a shame he did that. I think someone in the comments said that his head dropped after after the pit stop, and I think that's yeah. possible. It's the same thing with Perez was saying when you get the penalty, you just flack a bit. I think it probably probably did affect him, and I'm not sure if he would have fought off George. I think George just had a bit more promise this weekend. I think he would have got past, but I mean. I'd like to see that, to be fair, because maybe, who knows, maybe I was wrong and just been a bit more action, wouldn't it, on track if they had a dodgy pit stop. And it's been a while since seeing George and Lando go head-to-head. Be good to see the Brits fighting again. So, yeah, but yeah, good re- weekend. But yeah, he's he, he can hold his head high after this year, I think, with some of McLaren. We'll move on now from McLaren, who've had a pretty decent bid. I think they finished fourth in the Constructors before we move on. I'll just confirm that. They did, yes. So they, they, they put test in Martin. Yeah, so it's Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren. So yeah, they did take they took fourth over Aston Martin. It could set them where Aston Martin were at the start of the season and where McLaren were at the start of the season. They kinda need they, I mean it's not where they would like to be, I would imagine, but in overall circumstances that has to be pretty decent. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna shout out to Morgan Cooper who's just put a comment in because that's my son who's just put on a comment. It's the first time he's put a comment on the podcast. Hello, young man. What's he said? He said, what's your thoughts on Lando George battle during the start of the race? Uh, it was decent. They behaved themselves. They're good pals, I suppose. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Hamish? Did you notice? What did you think of George and Lando's battle at the start? I think George, has a te- he, he's, he tends to be a bit aggressive this year. It always... I don't mean a rude way to him at all. I think he's a great driver, but it always does worry me slightly when I see wheel-to-wheel action with him because I'm not sure who's going to end up where. You saw in Vegas with, with Verstappen, and we've seen it again with Verstappen and Azerbaijan. It's been a few times he's gone wheel-to-wheel. It's not always been the cleanest. But yeah, it was it was a good clean good clean battle and no one got hurt and that's all we want really so yeah I think I think George is just trying to manage a part of me thinks he's trying to manage a new driving style being a bit more aggressive a bit more assertive he's just trying to figure that out and it's played off sometimes well for him but sometimes it's always going to end up a bit a bit off but yeah yeah I think he's done it at Texas one year where he just kind of straight into the was it Saints and the Ferrari that's yeah. a big memory he just went straight into the side of him he does just have that kind of bomb scare element to him when he's uh, side by side Kiana what did you make in George Russell and Lando Norris having a wee uh, titty tat at the start of the race? Fun to watch. I think that was just the bit of action that was lacking. I wish that that could have continued on the whole entire race because that would have been fun to watch. But yeah, I think that George is starting to, well, hopefully starting to mature because he still has his whininess going on about him. But yeah, I think... If George becomes more aggressive and stays concentrated, because I think that's where he makes his mistakes. If he loses that one tiny bit of concentration, that's when he crashes or collides with someone. So I think he needs to get his temper under control and learn to manage that. So next season, with hopefully a better car, we'll see lots of improvement from him. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the, the, the standout in terms of Russell was Singapore. That clip on the barrier was just it was a silly thing to do wasn't it where he was positioned we'll probably discuss that more when we do the the season reviews but yeah kind of epitomizes it he did it a couple of times uh las vegas when he had contact with verstappen again his fault the silly things with george but he's getting slowly but surely where he needs to be so alpine the most anonymous team of the whole season uh the only thing that done Gasly a favour was Hamilton hitting him so he actually got some TV time uh, didn't really help his race much uh, he got 13 uh, 
I'm struggling to really say anything about Al Pete. Other than that contact, I can't really remember much. Uh, Hamish, we'll go to you first for Alpine. Let's get this out the road quick. What did you think? I just felt that they, uh, yeah, again, as you said, anonymous to someone the seasons where you don't know really where they are. And yeah, I don't know. It's been a tough season for Alpine. They've had a lot of changes managerial, man, in the manager, managerial element. I, thought, well, I don't know how to say it, but no, that, the kind of the actual team itself is suffering of who's and where, who's hired. And so I think they're kind of just looking through to get to next season. They've got some really impressive new sponsors. Obviously, they've got, what is it? Rob McElhenney, Ryan Reynolds, Anthony Joshua, a few other oh, famous... Oh, the golfers at McKinney. Yeah, so they've, got, they've got investment. Yeah, so it's, it, here's, here's to next season for them. Abby Dabby-wise, I, I felt like Hamilton had a really weird fight with both of them. He shouldn't have been there, but he was fighting two Alpines. Which I thought was quite funny because you're right, again, like the first airtime properly all year. Yeah, I felt like they're a good race. I don't really know where, yeah, what happened to them. They just kind of disappeared. I noticed they, they fell backwards and I was a little bit confused by the pace on that because I felt like they could have, yeah, they could have had an opportunity to get points. But yeah, I don't know. Ocon seemed to do have a good race at points. But yeah, they're just very evenly matched, aren't they, in Alpine as well, the drivers, I feel. I feel like it's one of the closest pairings on the, on the grid. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to really go on to them or with them too much. They were particularly anonymous all year. Contact with Hamilton seemed to ruin the pace for Gasly. A lot of sensitive parts at the rear end of that car. I mean, the downforce could damage anything down there. You're not really going to go very far. Uh, I'll just jump, I'll just give us uh, Esteban Ocon, Kiara, you can you can say what you need to say about this young man. What did you think? Did you actually realise he was there? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I have to admit that Alpine's box was next to ours, so I did see a fair amount from them. I just didn't really, I wasn't really focused on them because my eyes were like gearing towards Ferrari and I was like, "Mm, I wonder how Ferrari's doing. So I kept on skipping over them, so to say, I don't know. I mean, Alpine, I think they just need to sort their team out, get a proper team principal, have a talk, maybe work out their logistics and then we can see them work it out but I'm not I don't know I've always had this thing with French teams <laughs> it started with rugby it's it doesn't change with Formula One I live near France and I always get annoyed when French people come over and drive because I feel like my car is going to get hit same thing <laughs> happens <laughs> we see it happen in Formula Frank- One we see it happen in real life you know, yeah. it's like some valid reason. <laughs> and therefore, I do not like Alpine, even though British team, basically. <laughs> well, they're, they're, to be fair, they do have two French drivers. Yeah, but there, there is a lot of things backstage that they have to backstage. You know, behind the and the factory and management, they need to kind of sort out. So hopefully, they have a plan. But yes, Formula One and French teams—they've got a history <laughs> in general. So there, there is another couple of comments being fired and uh, we will get to them at the end once we've kind of gone through everything. If there's anything we haven't already spoken about, we'll have a look over them. So don't think we're ignoring you. So cool, clip Alpine, pretty anonymous season. I, they, they were kind of cut adrift in sixth place. They couldn't go to seventh, couldn't get up to fifth in the constructors. Yeah, but some stuff to do. They've got some homework. They've been sent home with homework. Let's put it that way. Uh, Alpha, right, so we're going to move on to Alpha Tauri. I think this is this is where there's a wee bit of interest in, I feel. So, driver of the day was Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, I haven't actually moved down in the notes what he got, uh, what position he finished in. He had a great weekend, to be honest. He just, 
it just clicked in. He just got it where he needed to go. He got eight. Uh, so he beat Hamilton, and he was just behind Alonso, but not quite. He's got five, four seconds behind. Let's let's go back to Alpha Tauri and Yuki Tsunoda. Kiara, you take it away. With Yuki Tsunoda, I was yeah. impressed. I have to say. I mean, I think Alpha Tauri had a quite emotional weekend, considering it was the last race of of France Toast as team principal. Yes, and I think especially Yuki. He wanted to bid farewell to France in the best way that he could. And I think Yuki did that. I mean, I know that France wasn't entirely happy with with the performance. I know in the German broadcast, he did say he did have his words, so to say. Mm-hmm. But Yuki did lead for a couple laps. So that was fun to see. And I was cheering him on. I was like, go, Yuki. And everyone knows that I'm not the biggest Yuki Tsunoda fan. But that was good that was boosting his confidence and i think once alpha tauri does get a better car maybe we'll see some more great driving from yuki maybe he'll decide to improve and we'll see some changes there's going to be quite a few changes here while they were talking i had a quick check it's ferrari's sporting director lauren mickey's uh, who's taken over as team principal from next year they're also going to get a change in name which we'll probably discuss at a later point. We, we discussed that in the last podcast, but it's supposed to be racing bulls. Come on. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So quite a lot of changes for the team. Uh, Franz Tost has been there. If anyone doesn't know, he's been there since Toro Rosso was in existence. The, he's, that's the only team principal that for Alpha Tauri slash Toro Rosso have ever had, uh, as far as I know. Uh, I might be wrong. Maybe she's looking a bit confused. Uh, but I think they ha- <laughs> it has been the only team principal as far as I'm aware. Uh, so yeah, a lot of changes. Quite a decent send off, especially since it was Yuki that done it. I don't think it would have been that big a deal if it was Dan Danny Ricardo that managed to get eight. Speaking of which, Danny Ricardo gets eleventh, gets no points. He had no pace. He was outraced and outqualified by Yuki. Interestingly enough, Yuki beat Ricardo four three in qualifying stack. Really? We'll get onto that in a minute. Hamish, I'll give you Daniel this thing. What was your take on this weekend? And to be honest with you, I kind of didn't notice him at all. Yeah, uh, I, well, I wrote an article for Everything F1 to give my moment article shout out um, on about um, kind of Alpha Tower's new floor this weekend. Um, they, they were trying to test out a floor for 2024 uh, during the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, hoping it would give a bit more pace and uh, maybe catch, was it Williams ahead of them? I think Williams secured seventh, so I, I think that was more of a pipe dream um, possibility. But yeah, it's, it's one of those questions again where. I don't think Ricardo's been excessively better than Yuki. I think he has been stronger overall. I think the stat said... My only question with the stat was, if that includes Zanfor, I feel like that'd be unfair. Because although Ricardo did crash, it, it, you could argue it wasn't necessarily his fault. Or Anyway, but yeah, I think I'd, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting next year with Yuki and Danny, because I, I, although everyone gives Yuki a hard time, I don't think Danny Ricardo's really coming in made him look silly or slow. And I mean, to be fair to Yuki, he made Nick DeVries look like a, oh, just look really slow. And Nick's no slouch. He's he's formerly world champion at one point. He's F2 world champion. He's known to be a quick driver. She's been hired by Toyota Kazoo for their next W endurance season. So Yuki's, I think Yuki's had quite a strong season overall. And I think when I saw the eighth, I, w- I was happy for him, but I wasn't necessarily surprised that he could do it. Um, I'm more glad he got a driver there and was, was quick. I'd love to see more of that from him because I think he's, He's fiery, and yeah, it'd be good to see him stay in the points and do well next season as well. But yeah, I'd, I'd give him, if we're going for the grade system, I'll give Yuki a good A for this for this race. I think that's a fair grade. 
deserving of driver of the day, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Who else could you offer? I mean, Leclerc was really strong. I think George actually had a good race, I think, compared to the rest of the day, did. Perez had a great comeback drive. There's a lot of good, weirdly, I think there's quite a lot of good a lot of good drives. But if you're going for someone you might necessarily not think score points, then yeah, Yuki probably deserved it. Uh, do you guys vote for driver of the day after every race? Or do you just... I keep forgetting that it's there. See, I do. And we always have this discussion in our group about it. I actually went for Oscar Piastri, even though he went backwards during the race. Because I thought he still managed P6, so... Maybe I was still quite impressed we'll, with him. Maybe that's something we can bring in for next year in the socials. We'll do our own driver of the day. Put it out. Just I'll with, take care of that. Just for the last 10 laps or something, we'll stick something on our socials so everyone look out for that. Uh, Alpha Tauri, so for me, I'm disappointed for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, he got injured. He was out for a bit. But go by his record and to be out-qualified by Yuki, Overall, yeah, the stats don't lie. I mean, yes, there may be other contributing factors to it. It shouldn't be that close, in my opinion. When it's Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda, come on, he's what? Eight-time race winner. Raced at Red Bull, really well-respected when he raced there. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a D. Yuki, I have to give him an A as well, because, like, who else would you give it to? I'm not going to give it to Max now, Christ. I'm going to say, like, not like it was a challenge for him. So yeah, I think there's more to it. I think there's a, a longer discussion about Daniel Ricciardo this season. I think next year's a big deal for Daniel in terms of it'll make his break. It'll not just make his break his season, but it'll make it break his career. If Yuki Sonoda beats him over the course of a full season, or is close to him and it's very bad, very even, Red Bull aren't going to put Daniel Ricciardo in the second seat at Red Bull if he can if he can wipe the floor with Yuki Sonoda. Mm, I don't see it. But again, there's, that's that's definitely a, a plot that will develop over next year. So quickly, we'll move over then to Aston Martin. Aston Martin, to me, uh, pretty much did a very good impression of Alpine. I didn't really <laughs> notice him, to be honest. Uh, Chiara, uh, I'll give you Fernando. Uh, he got seventh. I've wrote solid and spectacular. Anything else to add, really? If I'm being honest with Aston Martin, especially with Fernando, I think they were the biggest letdown so far I mean yeah Fernando has had pretty good races especially from the start but then it started to get a bit rocky towards the end so I think what Fernando tried to do is try to stay as consistent as he could trying to finish in the points just making sure that they keep on collecting the points and trying to keep up but there was just no more improvement other than the occasional podium and then no more podium. So it was up and down. I think they need to sort themselves out. But I think Fernando was a good choice for Aston Martin this season. I think he's thoroughly helped with the development. And I think with his experience, he has a lot to say for what can happen to the car next season. I don't know if I can say the same for Lance Stroll. But towards the end, he did improve. The last two races with Lance were okay. We were like, not more than okay. They were pretty solid from Lance, considering where he's been throughout the season. I mean, personally, Lance deserves to be on the grid, and he would be a lot more respected. Well, there's two reasons for that, and I think I've said this before. If he didn't, if he wasn't driving for his daddy's team, and he went out and done it himself at a different team where he's just treated like a driver, and if he'd done well then, you could a bit like the Albon situation, didn't do well at Red Bull, went away, done it himself, kind of reborn. Uh, also, he just is just there's that lack of consistency where he get. I think he gets himself into his head and then he disappears for three or four races and then he comes back and it clicks for him. 
But yeah, he, he kind of he does deserve it. Just on on. I mean, Logan Sargent was on the grid. So if Logan Sargent's on the grid, then he deserves to be there. Okay, so we'll we'll Hamish, we'll give you Lance Stroll because I really hate you and I want you to talk about Lance his Stroll. favorite. Look at his yeah. face. Hey, he's so look happy at him. about that. He's ki- he's oh. kidding on that his video's frozen, so he doesn't have to talk about it. Crack on. What's your what's your take on Lance at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? I mean, what is? I mean, he had a. Re- I'd much rather talk about Las Vegas since he had a bit of Germany. It's much more noticeable. I, I can actually tell you something. He was there. He was on the track. There was two Aston Martins driving in Abu Dhabi. No, I, I, I think he was... Yeah, he had probably... I don't really know. I think he, he was... Yeah, it was one of drives again, which just was not noticeable. I thought it was nowhere near Fernando. Fernando got the points. But that's been the story of all season, hasn't it? I mean, he's apart from Las Vegas, I think... Yeah, I think I kind of agree that he's he's not a bad race. He deserves to be on the grid. Like, for whatever you say, he did have a strong season with Williams in his rookie years. A rookie year, sorry. So he deserves to be there, but he's just not really made an impression this year, particularly. And I think I think it is hard when Alonso's your teammate. I think that's always going to be a massive struggle because you saw, especially this weekend, like say what you want about Alonso striving at points. You say you say Aston Martin did a good impression of Alpine. I think Alonso did a good impression of Snake at some points down the back straight against Hamilton. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's actually the news section of my notes. Yeah, he did have a yeah a scary a scary moment. Yeah, so but it's always going to be hard when you're up against someone that good. I think uh, Alonso is what seven points from being a five-time world champion. He's he's always been he's always fought the best, and he's continued to do that. Well, apart from his McLaren years, but he's he's a he's a quick driver. And I think Stroll's got a lot to learn from him. I think he could do he could do with just listen to Fernando, watching him and taking on uh, his advice. I mean, you're never going to get a better teammate to to take their information and data and um, try and see what he can do with it. Yeah. Yeah, so before we move on, then we'll talk about Alonso Hamilton might as well. Uh, so that back straight moment where you're talking about, and it was, it came up that Hamilton thought he'd been brake tested, but basically what it was was a bit of gamesmanship. In my opinion, slightly dangerous. He slowed down to make Hamilton pass the detection point, so he would then get the DRS on mm-hmm. the main, on the bigger kind of straight. Uh, a wee bit cheeky. I did enjoy it. No, it could have been a bit. It could have been a bit if they weren't a wee bit clued in to watch that because he lifted off an area that drivers wouldn't expect him to lift off. Yeah, I could expect better from Alonso to be honest. I mean, what's the point if you're doing it for first and second? I think we've seen it all when it was uh, Hamilton Verstappen at uh, Saudi Arabia a couple of years back, where they were kind of playing that game with the one they letting people bask and it got a bit messy. I don't really see the. I didn't really see the purpose on it to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Hamish, did you think the same? No, I, I think when I think about J2021 and when we're playing that stupid DRS game, I just think what that was so dumb and it was just not fun to watch. I I I don't believe in J2021 and actually feeling fatigued from watching that race. <laughs> yeah. It's so painful to watch. And like we're all traumatized. No, yeah, I, I couldn't leave Jeddah being like, oh, how much you win the championship, establish win the championship. I left that going, I want this to be done because that is too far. I have everything we've seen all year. And I think for me. Maybe it was maybe I it was flashbacks PTSD to that. When I saw Alonso doing that, I was like, look, I said for the Brazil review, Alonso is the most intelligent driver everyone's ever seen. Well, sometimes it could be a bit too intelligent, and sometimes you just need to get driving. I think Alonso tried to do something too much this weekend, and I think like I don't, I'm not sure it's a penalty, but I think Hamilton was right to get on the radio and say that's not okay. And I did think Alonso was we- weaving way too much down the straights. And he's done it before a couple of times at other races where he weaves and gets away with it. And to be fair to him. Is that his fault or is that the FIA's? If you're going to let them get away with weaving, then why wouldn't you keep doing it? So, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I felt sorry about him because I felt like he had a quick car, but got a bit shafted by some really cheeky manoeuvres by, by Alonso this weekend. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to move into the most exciting part of the notes, and that is Williams, Alfa Romeo and Haas. Uh, so Williams, Logan Sargent, he got he was he turned up. He was last. Finished sixteenth. Uh I don't really remember what he did, even at the start. I can't remember what happened. Uh Kiara, I will give you Logan Sargent. Can you remember much from Logan? With Logan, I thought he had he had his usual ways, to be honest. I think with Logan towards the end of the season, considering the damage that he's caused, I mean, not the damage, more of, more of like how much he's cost Williams. I think all they wanted was for him to finish without a scratch on that car. <laughs> I mean, he, to be fair, he's had some pretty good moments where you'd think, okay, he's definitely improving, especially in qualifying, but it's that race pace that needs a lot of improvement. I think Logan Sargent just lacks some sort of confidence, especially going up against Alex Albon, who has great control of the car and tries, he is able to get the best out of it. And I think Logan just needs a bit more time. I don't think maybe he deserved that time in Formula One. Maybe he could have done with another season in F2 or maybe even a different racing series, because I am a firm believer that different drivers thrive in other environments. Like Mick might not Mick might not work out in Formula One, but who knows what he could do with the World Endurance Championships or maybe even DTM in the future. Who who knows? But we'll see. Williams has not announced Logan Sargent's contract extension yet. And I'm starting to I know I said this, I think, two podcasts ago or last podcast. I'm not as confident as I am during the last podcast and saying that maybe Logan would keep his seat. Because I don't, I've never seen Williams announce something so late. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't know. I'm starting to get the feeling that Logan's not staying. Do you think they were waiting to see the outcome of F two? Yeah. You think Theo's got the seat? Would you I like have a to feeling see him? They do... I think it would be fair to give Logan another fair shot because maybe after the end of this season, which was just rubbish for him, maybe he will now have the time to like sit and look at the data and talk about what needs to be done. Maybe he now has that kind of experience and he's more confident coming into it next season. Who knows? Maybe, but maybe we'll also see Williams borrow Liam Lawson, considering yeah. he is he improved. They, they could pick worse drivers going by what he did. Uh, Hamish, any more to add on the Logan Sergeant Williams kind of situation? What's your thoughts? What's your takeaways? Yeah, I do. Th- I, I agree with Kiara in the sense I'm losing confidence in Williams' decision to keep him. I think it's a bit like a job interview. If you don't hear back from the job interview in two weeks, you probably haven't got it. If you haven't received your contract in the year, you probably haven't got it. And I think, yeah, I think I've, I just got the quote up now. Uh, James Val said, I think it was the Sky Sports, wasn't it? I watched some of the interview. I didn't watch all of it. And he said, uh, we aren't in the position to confirm Logan just at this point in time. It's not great news when you got that. I think in the interview as well, he was speaking about how they've had a strong year with Logan. It sounded all a bit too farewell for me. And I do also think, like, like we speak about Perez not being the points. They have a driver to rely on, and a Red Bull's always going to score points. So you can rely on the fact that every weekend you're going to walk away with some points, if uh, unless you have a double DNF. Williams need to have a driver which they can rely on. If the opportunity appears, the points will come because the only issue, the only way they're going to progress is by grabbing every single point they can grab. And that, that's how they did it this year with Albon. 
and uh, you need a driver that you can trust. I honestly think Rich would be a great option. I think we need to see him in Formula 1 give him a shot. I think he proved, proved himself in Formula 2 and I think as well in, in the FP1 in Abu Dhabi, he showed strong pace. So I'd like to see him in it. I think, yeah, and I do think as well with F1, it's got to be cutthroat. You've only got 20 seats and I don't want to see in one of those 20 seats a driver who possibly doesn't deserve it more than another. I think if you're giving a shot, you have to use it. Otherwise, what's the point? We saw Latifi. We've already said this in this podcast before. Would it be better to have Latifi in this car or Sergeant? And if you're even asking that question off the back, what is the point of having Sergeant in F1? Because he's not making him that much more of an impact. You need to be moving forward for your Williams if you want to get back to self, not backwards. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're kind of right there. I think the biggest problem that Williams will have is the two names you've mentioned. Are, the teams are like Drugovich is Aston Martin's young driver, isn't he? Uh, and Liam Lawson, he's tied to Red Bull. Mm. So it would be a loan situation. But mm-hmm. to counter that, none of the young drivers in the Williams programme are anywhere near Formula One. I think they're all F3. Uh, so do it's, you it's st- still part of the Red Bull system? He is, isn't he? Is that Albon still part of the Red Bull system? Or he... no? He's he's he his contract is completely cut uh, in terms of that the Red Bull can't touch him. He's he's entrenched fully in the Williams thing. I don't even think he's sponsored by Red Bull Thailand anymore because he did have yeah. Red Bull sponsorship last year. Uh, I think some of there's a whole issue which is like Mercedes were fine with it because it was like Mercedes still had a hand in it. So they were like, well, we're fine with the Red Bull driver being in the seat, but we don't want him having a Red Bull sponsor on the helmet or something. I seem to remember that yeah. whole lava. Yeah. About it. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's the first, it's the first complete qualifying wipe. So in the sense of 23-0 to Albon since Max Verstappen did it to Albon in 2020. So the Padawan has become the master in that sense. Yeah. Got some good synergies there. In terms yeah. of the new driver for next year, if Sergeant doesn't get the seat, do you think, before we move on and we talk about the last couple of uh, teams, do you think it's worth? Volumes even for one year to take Lawson or even Drugovich if he's available just for one year. I think Liam Lawson's got more of a chance because of what he's done in the in the Alpha Tauri this year and why he's named in the hat. But do you think it's worth them even if it's just a loan deal for a year to to take Liam? Kiara, I'll go to you first. Actually, see that you mentioned them already. It could be worth it. I think the second seat of Williams has been unlucky over the past few years. If I'm being honest. But it could be worth it to get someone who's a bit more confident than Logan Sargent. Maybe if they have someone who's willing to t- take that risk, because that's a that's the one thing I really enjoyed about Logan Sargent is he wasn't afraid to go as fast as he could possibly go. And yes, there were some questionable moments, but that's also because the Alpha Tauri car is just not it. And if you put him in a car that's better than the Alpha Tauri, considering what he did with that, I'm so excited to see what the future has in store for him i really wanted to see him in the red bull car i wanted i wanted one of them to get sick and like get mm-hmm. replaced by um by liam i mean i think daniel would have been the first choice to do that anyways but yeah that's but Hamish, just that's just me yeah it's just you Hamish, did you do you kind of think the same do you think do you think it's worth it oh I'll, I'll, in fact i'll ask you i'll give you my opinion in a second yeah i'll, I'll take yeah i can i think <laughs> I, I, Lawson did really well. Liam, he did a great job. Also, he was a, a fill in for Ricardo. He did, he did more than enough to fulfill that role. And some would say maybe better than Ricardo. I, I'm still half debating if if Ricardo was the right decision, they should keep Lawson in that seat. If I'm looking at objectively, if you were to ask me, do Djokovic versus Lawson? Djokovic, like 
not Drogovic, sorry, Lawson, no matter which way you put it, had quite a mid-F2 season. He was there for quite a while and never really challenged for the title. He was there, he was on the grid, but he never really made an impact. He won a few, a few, maybe a couple, I don't think he won a few. I don't know how many F2 races he won, but he was never really a formidable character. And to be fair, you could say the same thing about Jao Granu. He was also an F2 and never really, he had, I think he was a runner-up one year, I think. I think it was 2022, no, one, he was runner-up, I can't remember now. But yeah, so I, I would like to see Dragovic. I'd like to give him a shot because he's he's he has won F2. And I think I think it's a natural progression. I think if you win an F2 championship, then you should be allowed to give the shot on F1 because it, otherwise it what it does is it takes the pedigree away from F2. Because if you win that championship and you don't go to F1, well, what's the point of entering that championship? You might as well go Indy next, which a lot of drivers have started doing, which I think is really interesting. You see a lot more people, like Jamie Chadwick's done it, and a few other people have rather go to, I don't know if it's Indy next or Indy NXT, but whichever one you call it, but they, they prefer to go across the pond and do that than F2 because more opportunity. And I think that's the issue F1 has got right now, which is why I think also getting Andretti on the grid is a good thing. Like, I think more football teams are always going to help the sport. But yeah, so I'll, I'll put I'll put Dragovic in Williams if I was given an option. Yeah, I think that's you've got a good solid argument, and it is interesting with the F two champion Formula One situation. I think Callum Eilat's done that, and there's somebody else in the tip of my tongue that moved over that knew they'd have only getting their opportunity. Uh, was it Lungard? Uh, Lungard, he, he, yeah, he's over there. Yeah, uh, Jackie. I get it. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you? Because you can. There's there's more seats in IndyCar. It's arguably a more competitive series. You might be able to win a few races if it comes your way. And you don't have to do the whole debate of of trying to get there and trying to fight other people. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I think everyone needs to work on that. I think the feeder series needs a bit more effort and a bit more time. And I thought this as well. It's 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 stupid not to have an F2 race for about four months because they, they stopped at Monza and they had the last one here in Abu Dhabi. That break is huge. Um, yeah, it's a strange one, that whole, like, break in the calendar. The F2 calendar is strange throughout most of the year, to be honest. I don't understand yeah. it either. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, been a, there's been a few. Callum Eilert went over, as you say, Lungard. Uh, there was somebody else in my head that I was going to mention. Uh, Who's um, Lizzie McIntosh dating? That guy. It's not uh, like Marcus I'm... Armstrong. Marcus Armstrong. Uh, That's something I would know because I'm not a huge IndyCar person. I did get to meet Pato Award. In he's, a, he's an interesting driver. Garage. I do like him. I uh, like and that. also, I, I like him too. Yeah. He's very attractive. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm saying this because I know some of my German friends, female friends, are watching right now. Oh, hello. From, I'm, from, I'm in <laughs> Scotland. Uh, <laughs> and another one that didn't they shut the door on the Formula 2 F1 thing was Jack Aitken. That was quite interesting. Very early on, he realised, I'm not getting a seat in Formula 1 and he's doing really well on the sports card side of the world and he's enjoying it. And, and So it is an interesting conversation to have about this. The champion, Theo Pochier can't go race in F2 now because he's, he's won the championship. That's him. F2's done. It's a rule that I think I like the idea, but it's just, it's restrictive because it's, yeah, there's I no options anymore. I don't think you should. I think I don't think it should be. I think W Series displayed that. I don't think you should race in a series you've already won. As if it's the feeder series because W Series like Jamie Chadwick just absolutely won everything. Yeah. You quick and I think you shouldn't be able to go back. But the issue is if Formula One's not able to support its feeder series, then that's a real weakness of Formula One. And I I personally don't think Taylor Pochers sounds real. I don't think he's good enough for Formula One. I don't think he's quick enough. But at least he should be given an opportunity somewhere down the line. Was he testing an FP1? 
Was he with Alpha Romeo or Romeo? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I didn't. Yeah. See his times, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just something F1 needs to consider going into the future. Definitely, you know how it manages its F2 drivers and where it puts them. Because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I'm sure we can have more of that as the off season continues. I'll just quickly rush through the last the last two teams because it was Alfa Romeo and Haas. Alfa Romeo, seventeenth and nineteenth. I put down Odier and double Odier. There's not much more you can say. They've admitted. I saw to, that. Yeah, uh, there's not much you can say about that car. They they've came out a wee while ago. Said they're rebuilding the car completely. It'll be back to Sauber for a couple of years before the transition to Audi for I want to say 2026. Now I might be wrong. I think it's 2026. There's at least a couple of years of Sauber because the Alfa Romeo sponsorship. Because it was always Sauber. It was just a kind of rebadging. But Alfa Romeo, they never did. They never had any technical input in the team. They've like they're leaving now or they've left now. Uh, Pass had last, and that was Magnussen who came last. Who was beaten by a car who retired in the last lap. There you go. And uh, Hulk got fifteen, which was solid for Hassie's by Hassie's standard by the end of the year. Strange season for them, to be honest. Didn't really do anything right at the back. Always a lot for them, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much the way it is. There's not really much more to say about them, really. So the only thing that gives it left for me to do is say thank you very much to the panel. Thank you very much, Kiana. Thank you. It was fun. It was a good one, yes. Hamish, thank you very much. Thank you. No problem. So before I go, a quick mention some of our socials. We have the website at everythingf1.com. I will mention our sponsors again at theraceworks.com. They have merchandise from all of your Formula One teams. They they uh, post worldwide. Uh, if you go to the checkout and use the code EF1, you'll get ten percent off everything, including sale items. So good to get your baskets filled up for Christmas. And some of the stuff start to get reduced in price because it's the end of the year. So they probably want to get some of the stuff up. So keep an eye on that. We will be back probably next week. We'll start a review of the season uh, and keep an eye on our socials for any of the other stuff that we're going to come up. Articles. Uh, and some posts around the season and the world famous champion of champions competition that's coming out at the at the end of the year start of next year uh, it's kind of my baby that I've done for a while let's see if we can get that going and get discussions about the historical champions of Formula 1 since 1950 this uh, championship has been going so there's a lot to talk about and a lot of drivers only 34 of them uh, so with that Time to say goodbye and be safe. We'll see you at the next one. Take care. Ta-ra. Bye.